I want to start in verse 41. The Bible says there, Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me, for I trust in thy word. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. And so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved. And I will meditate in thy statutes. And I'm going to preach to you here uh, tonight about the merciful salvation of the Lord. We're covered. We're covered. We're covered by His blood. Yes, amen. And I thank the Lord for that. Let's ask the Lord to touch our hearts here tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for Your Word. I'm thankful, Lord, for Your goodness. Lord, that You have placed in our hearts. I ask You, Lord, tonight that, God, that somehow, Lord, that this word would cause us to be more and more grateful, Lord, for what you have done in our hearts. Help us, Jesus, to respond, God, to your call. And at the same time, I pray, Lord, help us to know, Lord, that your presence is always near to us. I ask you, Lord, that tonight for this congregation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. And uh, <clears throat> I am uh, I'm very thankful. I, I know that, that many of you have had the opportunity in the last week to spend time with uh, your family. And I hope that that during this time of of Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving is a seemingly a good holiday because you're not expecting to have to worry with gifts. And I hope this was good enough. And I hope I know that doesn't happen to any of y'all. But I think there's always that pressure that comes with Christmas uh, that certainly is not present with us with Thanksgiving. And um, so I pray that this week that there has been some opportunity that you have had to look back and to uh, and and just again just to be thankful for what the Lord has done in in your life. I um, heard a song several years ago, and um, it's a song that's called "Not in Me." No list of sins that I have not done. No list of virtues I pursue. No list of those I am not like can earn myself a place with you. Oh God, be merciful to me. 
I am a sinner through and through. My only hope of righteousness is not in me, but it's only you. Verse 2 says, no humble dress, no fervent prayer, no lifted hands, no tearful song, no recitation of the truth can justify a single wrong. My righteousness is Jesus' life. My debt was paid by Jesus' death. My weary load was borne by him, and he alone can give me rest. The third verse says, No separation from the world, no work I do, no gift I give can cleanse my conscience or cleanse my hands. I cannot cause my soul to live, but Jesus died and rose again. The power of death is overthrown. My God is merciful to me and merciful in Christ alone. And then the ending, my righteousness is Jesus' life. My debt was paid by Jesus' death. My weary load was borne by him, and he alone can give me rest. Whether that psalm that we have read, it's a long psalm, 176 verses, whether that song is written by David or Ezra or somebody else, here's what you understand that, that it really ought to cause us to have a gratitude for uh, the eternal hope that the Lord has provided for every single one of us. This sixth section that I read to you here uh, tonight, the previous Sections have all dealt with life that are issues that, that saints deal with uh, in their lives. Just quickly, just to point out the, the first one, Aleph, the matter of character in seeking the Lord. How do you know that? He, he writes that phrase there, undefiled by the way, deals with that matter of, of that area of character. He comes to the next one, Beth. It's the problem of living a pure life. You say, well, how do you know that? The question that's asked, how can a young man cleanse his way? And then you get to the third one, Gimel, the challenge of living in an alien world. You say, well, how do you know you're in an alien world? Because the phrase there is that, that you would open my eyes up and help me to be able uh, to see there. And then... We come to Daleth. That is the difficulty of facing the challenges and the pressures of life. You say, well, how does that manifest itself in that section? It's where the, the psalmist says these words that, that my soul cleaves to the dust. And then he says in the section there called he is, is that there are times where that there can be divisions that they can get into our heart, and, uh, and you battle. You battle with the flesh nature. You battle with the sin nature. Romans 6, 7, and 8 all deal with that because his request is that, Lord, I want you to incline my heart 
toward your testimonies. I want you to cause me really to try to give myself to that particular matter. And now the psalm, that the section that I read, verses 41 through 48, talks to us about the fact about how that it tells us about the love of God and that there's that area where that it literally speaks to us and that we understand that provision for salvation is going to come outside of ourselves and you ought to be thankful for that. And you say, well, why so should you be thankful for that? Because I'm just telling you now is that if you had to work for your own salvation, there's no way you could work hard enough really to be able to say I've done these things and so Lord you ought to save me I used to work with a man was a physician and he told me this it's been a number of years ago and this kind of uh, has always stuck with me he said you know Philip he said when I get there he said I I really think that that I'm going to be able to walk in and and tell the Lord Lord I I was involved in the world of medicine and I took care of all these patients and I helped all of these people to get better and to be healed uh, in their life. And he said, I really think the Lord's going to let me in because of that particular thing. And I, I didn't say anything. I just kind of respectfully listened to him. But I thought in my mind, sir, you'd have to work 24-7, 365 until you fell over and you still would not do enough to secure your own eternal salvation because there's none of us here tonight that is good enough to be saved by our own merit. And so the psalmist comes along and he begins to point out some things here. And, and if you're taking notes, I like to say that, uh, this segment here is kind of like a church service. You say, how in the world is it like a church service? Because there's prayer and there's preaching and there's praise. There's prayer in verses 41 and 42. There's preaching in verses 43 through 46. And then there's praise that we find in verses 47 and 48. And I would just say here tonight that how much that we value prayer and preaching and praise really has a lot to do with how much you value your own personal salvation so let's look at this segment here tonight let thy mercies come also unto me O Lord even thy salvation according to thy word so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me for I trust in thy word he comes there in verse 41 and he begins to see and to point out something and you, you find it there if you if you look for it, there, there are petitions that we find there. He is he's requesting something. He's, he's making an appeal. There are things that, that he's saying, Lord, I want you to bring these things into my heart and into my life. I, I would even say that, 
that not only is it a petition, but there's areas where that you can begin to see that there's some pleadings and there are some desires. I believe that all of those elements need to be involved in our prayers where that there are petitions and appeals and, and requests and pleadings and desires that they can be expressed there in prayer. And so it is that you look there in verse 41, let thy mercies come also unto me. Now I want to point out something here. Don't miss the fact that the psalmist is coming along and he's saying something. He's saying, I, I want your mercies there in that place. Not, not mercy as in singular, but he's, he's saying that there are some plural things there. I've got to have, Lord, your mercies why is it? Is because here is a matter about mercy. Mercy is looking for God to have the opportunity and occasion to forgive man for his sin. Mercy is looking for misery whenever it begins to settle in on saints because what mercy does is mercy says, I, I know that you've got some misery there but when the mercy of God shows up, there's healing that can take place there. Mercy is, is renewed at times by our confession of sin. I hope that is an area that you have in your prayer. Mercy is an answer to prayer. There's times where that, that you appeal and you say, I want these mercies to be in my life. Mercy is never on back order. It's never going to be that you show up at the store and you say, hey, I want that particular product. And they say, we're sorry, we sold out two hours ago. I know we don't do that too much now, but Tell you what, I got out Friday and got to driving around a little bit, and I thought to myself, thank God. Uh, I mean, used to be at, at night, Thursday nights, uh, on Thanksgiving, that, that, that my wife and, and my sister-in-law and my mother-in-law, boy, they'd settle down with those uh, deals and sale papers. And I mean, there's a plan that was it that. You be at Circuit City at 4 o'clock in, in the morning, 4 o'clock. Yeah, you're going to be at Circuit City at 4 o'clock in the morning. You're going to be at, at, at Walmart at, at 5 o'clock in the morning. And then they'd have all of us out in this area. And, and uh, we're out trying to round up stuff for kids. I thank God. Friday, I thought to myself, I thank God. I'm not out involved in that. Now we just order online. And, but, but the point that I'm making is this, is that, is that mercy's never on back order. God's mercy is never going to run out. He's never going to turn around and say, you know what, I'm sorry, we just sold out of that about 15 minutes ago, but there's something about it. When you need mercy, then there is something about it, whether you get on your knees or whether you cry out to the Lord, that you can begin to say, I know that there is an unending source of the mercy of God. Mercy is never delayed when the cry comes out for it. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22, the Bible says there, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning and then great is thy faithfulness. That's awesome singing that song in here Tuesday night. Great 
is thy faithfulness, O God, our Father. Oh, I'm thankful for the mercy and the grace of God. How many times have you not just found mercy, but the mercies of the Lord? And how many times have you found the faithfulness of the Lord whenever your feet were slipping and sliding in that place that Jude tells us about? And how can we find it difficult to offer him prayers and preach him and praise whenever there is an unending source of the mercies of God? I can't afford to come in here and say, oh, I'm just clocking in and I'm just going to kind of sit here and, and just kind of watch it all. No, not on your life. I've got to clap my hands. I've got to open my mouth up. There's got to be an engagement in my heart that says, you know what, I see it's the mercies of God, and I'm thankful for those things. Look at that next phrase there. Let come thy salvation. It's crying it just for mercy, but it's for salvation. Look, look at that. Look at that phrase. Now don't get nervous. You think, man, we're gonna be here till midnight. You preach through every phrase. Keep in mind, this is slower is better. You don't believe me? Go tonight to Walmart and get you one of them cheap little old cans of Brunswick stew and take it home and open it up and put it in the microwave. It'll be quick, but it won't be nearly as good as what you had Tuesday night that was crock-potted and, and stewed and spent a long time doing it. So just, just remember this same way about sermons. Longer they are, I also know that what I heard a long time ago, they said that the mind can only absorb what the seat can endure. So you have to keep that in mind too, okay? Well, let me move on and get this back into where we need to be. Uh, but, but here is the part that, that he's talking about. Salvation is at the core. He's saying that, that the pardon that you have for sin, without salvation, every person on this planet is doomed. Every one of us here tonight in this sanctuary, without the pardon that comes with salvation, I'm going to tell you this, that, that you will be banished and evicted and, and expelled in literally to a burning, bawling hell that is going to be eternal in nature. It's going to last forever. And yet because of the salvation of the Lord that's been provided here for us, know this, that mercy and salvation are always tied together. The Bible tells us in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according, look at that, His mercy, He saved us. According to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Notice what Titus does, or Paul does, whenever he's writing to Titus. He makes a connection. He says, I'm going to show you something, that mercy and salvation is connected together. And sometimes the enemy of our soul doesn't want for us to remember that. 
And yet our days have gotten to the place where that, that we have almost lost sight of what hell is really going to be about. It's now more just, just a word. It's, it's just uh, sometimes relegated to a curse word. Or it can be relegated to a circumstance of life where that, that people say, well, my life is, and you've heard people say that. What are they doing they're trying to minimize what hell's all about. We can't afford as a church and we can't afford as, as individuals to ever get to the place where that we lose sight of the matter of hell. Hell started disappearing. And I'll tell you when it started disappearing was sometime around the 70s and the 80s. And it started disappearing primarily under, and I'm going to call it the big tent, of Christianity, the world of of the evangelicals. There was a pastor that came along, and of course he's dead now, but some of his writings, John R.W. Stott, pastored in a church across the pond, as they say over in Great Britain there. He began to question the thought about what hell really was all about. And so whenever, because of his uh, the respect that people had for him, they started veering off and they started thinking, well, maybe uh, there isn't a place that, uh, that hell is. And then a couple of theologians, one by the name of Clark Pinnock, and I know that uh, these names probably don't mean anything to, to, to most of you here tonight, but it was at that moment that people began to veer off. And uh, surprisingly, there was another man by the name of F.F. F. Bruce uh, that began to really question uh, as to whether or not there was going to be an eternal hell. They started leaning towards something called annihilationism, which means that you basically would look at it like a log that you cut up a piece of wood and, and you throw it into the fire and it burns for a little while and after it's burned up it just is consumed and, and becomes uh, ashes there. But, but if you look back even further back into the third century there was a man that was one of the early church fathers. His name was Origen. And Origen started teaching. He taught there in Alexandria, Egypt, and he promoted a form of, of universalism which said that, oh, it's all going to turn out okay and everybody's going to get to the happy hunting ground and everybody is going to be okay. I, I'll just say this as a sidebar here tonight, that there was a lot of chaotic doctrinal heresy that came in to the church in the third and fourth century, and it still affects the church even now today. There were some that, that they picked up on those ideas and they began to turn away and oppose the idea of, of an eternal hell. One of those men was a man by the name of Charles Darwin. Surprisingly, that, that uh, you know him as probably the father of of evolution, but he became an agnostic, and yet what most people don't realize is that he graduated from a Bible college and he knew what the Word of God was all about. But Darwin turned away from the idea or the doctrine, really, of hell. Another, Bertrand Russell, was an atheist. He turned away from that eye or from that doctrine. Karl Marx, a socialist and a communist, he turned away. 
as well. Vladimir Lenin, an atheist and a communist, turned away. Friedrich Nietzsche was a German philosopher. All of these men turned away from the thoughts of hell. And you say, well, it doesn't matter. But it does matter because most of the psychology classes and the philosophy classes that are taught now in our secular colleges, those are influences that have gotten in to that way. But just hear me out here tonight that it doesn't matter that they don't believe. The fact of the matter is this, is that there literally is a hell that we have to shun. There's a hope of primary biblical text that you have to look at and you have to say these are the matters where that hell is talked about. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 42 and then down in verse 50. Also in Matthew 25 and 41 and 46. There's other scriptures that I uh, won't reference here tonight but if you that systematic theology text that you've got you ought to take a look at it there's a chapter in there several chapters that deals with the matter of eternal punishment but I'm just going to tell you there's some biblical words that describes what hell is like here are the words that are there eternal fire eternal torment lake of fire weeping wailing and gnashing of teeth one man said it like this C.S. Lewis he said there is no doctrine I would more willingly remove from Christianity from than hell that's what he said he said there is no doctrine that I would more willingly remove from Christianity than hell. And then he says this, he said, if it lay in my power. He said, I would pay any price to be able to say truthfully, all will be saved. He said, but I cannot say that. And I can't tell you that here tonight as well. I can't tell you that there's going to be, it's all going to be okay and it's all going to turn out all right in the end and everything is going to be okay. What, what is even more alarming is this idea. Is that somebody 35 or 40 or 45 years ago or even 50 years ago that they walked an aisle in a church and they shook somebody's hand and they filled out a card and they raised their hand and then they walked away and they had no more consciousness of the Lord Jesus Christ whatsoever and yet whenever they die the words are oh they're in a better place is that really true when there's not one whit of evidence of change in that person's life that there's no change then there's no transformation that has taken place in that person's life I'm just going to tell you church here tonight that it's the merciful salvation and conviction of the Lord that calls us in and says hey I want to convict you of your sins I want you to turn away from your sins I want you to be born again why is that it's because one of these days either by rapture or by death we all will face the judgment seat whether that's the judgment seat of Christ or whether that is the white throne of judgment and so the words of the psalmist here is let come 
thy salvation. But there's more. And there in verse 41, it's a petition for mercies and for salvation and for the promises. You say, well, where did the promises come from? He, he notices that. He says, according to your word. It's not according to what Brother Patterson says or what I say or, or what even our doctrinal stance of the United Pentecostal Church or for other apostolic churches, not just here in our nation but across the world. It's, it's not what necessarily they say, but it is what the Word of God promises to us. And these promises, though, no, they are not empty promises, but there's a promise from God that says that if you turn away from your sin, if you repent, if you're water baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you are filled with the Holy Ghost, then what does that do? That automatically turns your life into a 180, and instead of walking toward destruction and damnation, you turn around and you start walking toward a heavenly reward. I don't know why in the world that anybody would want to be lost I don't understand that and so it is that song that we sing sometimes standing on the promises that cannot fail when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail by the living word of God, I shall prevail standing on the promises of God. That's what I'm preaching to you about here tonight. And so literally the prayer of the psalmist, he's saying, I want to tell you I'm looking forward toward that promised deliverance for you to have it in your life. It comes to those that are faint, faithful saints of God. And so I'll point out in verse 42, Here's what else that we find is that we find verse 41 is the petitions of prayer. But verse 42 opens up and, and shows us something else. He, he tells us, he's saying, I, I want you to see that there are some purposes that comes to your prayer. And, and again, we're, we're not certain. It may have been Ezra, maybe David. It very well even could have been Moses or or some unnamed uh, psalmist that wrote this here, but but for for sake of here, what if it was David? David had his share of those that reproached him. Psalm three, the Bible tells us in verse one, a psalm of David when he fled from Absalom, his son, Lord. How are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, There is no help for him in God, Selah. And then in 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 12, the Bible says there, And Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gilonite, David's counselor from his city, even Gilo. While he offered sacrifices, and notice, notice that last sentence, and the conspiracy was strong for the people increased continually with Absalom. That meant that they were opposed to David. And if you know anything about the life of David, you know that there was a place where that in his life that he was running literally from, from Absalom and he ran 
from that holy city there in Jerusalem. It, it was a deep pit that David was in, and, and yet in this psalm here, that phrase there in verse 42 Lord, I've got to have your mercy. I've got to have your help because there are those that reproach me. I want to tell you here tonight, a saint of God, a believer, a minister, it doesn't matter, a preacher, anybody else that is on the Lord's side is going to be persecuted and they're going to be reproached. Sometimes it takes place at where you go to school. Sometimes it takes place there where you work. But sometimes the deepest wounds comes from the rejection of your family. And yet the psalmist here is saying, I want to tell you something. God knows right where that you are. And so the phrase there, he said, so shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. Noah's critics were silenced. Moses' critics were silenced. Daniel's critics were silenced. Nehemiah's critics were silenced. Mordecai's critics were silenced. And hear me, church, at the same time it will take place in your life, whether they're at school, whether they're at work, or whether they're in your family, family, your critics will be silenced. Make the reproaches. Make the criticisms. Make the accusations. Bring on the blaming. Bring on the censures that takes place. But there's coming a day that the Lord's going to stand up and he's going to say enough. That's enough of it. You keep your hands and your tongues off of my saints and off of my church. There's coming a day. And so church, don't let your feet get slippery in a place where that you are experiencing that here. Maybe even tonight, know this, that you can build a foundation on the word of God. So he comes along and he tells us that. He said, I trust in your word. Sometimes in prayer, you, you need to profess that. I'm not getting into word of faith, nonsense, that blab it, grab it stuff. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about there are times where you need to confess to the Lord in a place of prayer. And sometimes the best things to confess uh, to the Lord are things that you find that are there in His Word. Let's move on. Let's look at verses 43 through 46. Those verses 41, 42 dealt with the prayer. Now 43 through 46 deals with the preaching. The Bible says there, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments, and so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings, and I will not be ashamed. And so he comes along, and uh, he says, hey, he said, if you're going to preach, and all of us are preachers, that's really a fact. You say, well, I don't stand behind a pulpit. It doesn't matter. You're still a preacher. Because you know who talks to you the most? You. You, you talk to yourself more than anybody else does. I think we probably could all agree with that. You, really, you know that? You, you talk to yourself more than, than anybody else does. 
And so sometimes you have to preach to yourself. And it needs to be done with accuracy. It needs to be done with precision. It's not just some little talk that you throw together. Now let me put the pressure on our guys, our lay ministers, on myself, on Brother Patterson. We're not putting together some little old talk. I'm not putting together some little old motivational speech for y'all here tonight. And I know maybe last weekend could have fallen into the, to the trap of motivational preaching, maybe encouragement preaching. Uh, sometimes we need that. Uh, but a lot of times what you need is just what we're doing here tonight, just walking through, just letting it unfold and unflow and just open itself up. Uh, you don't need boutique preaching. What's boutique preaching? Y'all know what boutiques are? Boutique, that's for uh, ladies. That they go in and they shop for these dresses in these boutiques. And uh, it's got all that frou-frou on it, okay? All that little pageantry and embroidery and lace and ruffles and Whatever, you only can wear it to church or somewhere where you want to impress folks. And uh, you say, I, I like this fancy little deal here. Uh, but you don't need fancy little preaching. Say, so what does boutique preaching look like? Well, boutique preaching, five smooth songs in David's bag. Guys, y'all really going to like this, okay? You ready, Colton? Ready, Chance? Colin, you're a little old, but I know these two guys, these young men, they'll appreciate it. Yeah, those five smooth stones in, in David's bag. J-E-S-U-S. Praise the Lord. That's boutique preaching. Oh, those five smooth stones in that bag stood for praise. P-R-A-Z-E, praise. That's boutique preaching. Rolling the stones away from the grave. Rolling away the stones of defeat. Rolling away the stones of failure. Rolling away the stones of grief. Or battling the giants in your life. The giants of grief. The giants of failure. The giants of uh, misery. Or what about that dirt and that spittle? Remember the Lord did that. He got him a little mud and spit and rubbed it together. And then he put it in there and go wash and you'll be healed. And uh, yeah. Uh, removing the blindness of grief and failure and defeat. Uh, or this is a good one right here. Victory over the lines. The lines of grief, the lines of failure, the lines of defeat. That, that's boutique preaching, but that's not really preaching. And the psalmist comes along and he tells us, he said, I'm going to tell you when you preach to yourself, here's what you need to do. You need to get in verse 43 and he says this, take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth. Because if he's speaking the word of truth, 
then what does truth do? Truth has a way of cutting through every bit of the calamity and the challenge in your life. And it gets to that place where that you can say, I just want to tell you that you need to speak truth on all fronts. There needs to be truth about salvation. There needs to be truth about doctrine. There needs to be truth about holiness. There needs to be truth about prayer. That's what he's getting at here. He's saying, I I tell you what I want. I don't want truth to ever get out of my mouth. And so it is that when you speak those things, Psalm 116 and 10, I believed, therefore have I spoken. Acts chapter 4 and verse 20, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. 2 Samuel 23 and 2, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. Don't speak your impressions. Don't speak your ideas. Don't speak any of those things, but rather speak the truth. Speak the word of God. And whenever you get into a place where your mind can be foggy and confused, what do you do? You get out the word of God and you begin to preach. I was reading a story here, a book uh, yesterday, and I was talking about a, a place during... Uh, when COVID took place uh, back four years ago or three years ago, and uh, it was up in the Northeast, and and this pastor really had a calamity uh, to take place there in his church, and there was a lot. Y'all remember mass, no mass, backs, no backs, all of that chaos that was going on in that particular place. And it literally, that church was pushing right at 2,000 people. And uh, listen to this. After it was all said and done, there was only about 100 people that were left. 1,900 people got lost in the shuffle of that. And the story was talking about how that that pastor dealt with that. And it said that, that one of the things that he started doing was he started taking long walks and then the second thing that he said was, I started praying the Psalms. He said it was during those times whenever I began to pray the Psalms. He said that there was something and that the truth of the Word of God began to pierce through and cut through all of the lies and cut through all of the calamity and cut through the things that somehow had literally overwhelmed my life. I just want to tell the church here tonight that somewhere along the way that you've got to preach the truth to yourself. And the Word of God is a way that brings it to there. And I'm just going to tell you, just for me, I want to preach it correctly. I want to preach the truth. I don't want to sit down or back up off of the truth. I don't want to back up on doctrine. I don't want to back up on holiness and separation from the world. I don't want to back up from those things that have been preached into me as a kid and then as a young adult. I don't want to get away from those things. I want everything inside of me to lock in and be committed to those things that have been deposited into my life and into my spirit by those old elders and there's been some elders that I've had in my life some of them I'm sorry to say we don't appreciate them 
until after they're gone. It's rare that I can't drive through that little city of Op. And I think about old elder brother, brother Ravel that pastored there in that church in Op. And I can remember us going over there at youth rallies and, and uh, going in there and seeing that big 12-foot uh, chalkboard that he had. And, and I mean, he had wrote from starting up here to the bottom. And you could see it was that old white chalk. That was the days before we had PowerPoint. And, and Brother Ravel would start. My mother said that whenever she was a young lady that went to that place, that Brother Ravel would fill up that one side and then he'd turn it over and he'd start writing on the other side and he'd teach and preach there and and you don't realize it at the time but the appreciation that you have for those particular things is what is it is somebody trying to get the word into the grooves of the heart and the grooves of the mind that's what you're after and if you got a pastor and I thank God for brother Patterson I thank God for my parents that over the years that they have put the truth in to our hearts and into our lives. And so it is that when the word of truth is in our mouths, what does it do? It exalts the glory of God. But look there in verse 46. The Bible says there, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. You find in the scriptures that there were men that were full of that kind of truth. We find there is Nathan. You remember him in 2 Samuel that he walks in and he stands in front of David and he just declares, he said, he said you sir, you're, you're, you're the man. You're, you're the guy. Because just a few sentences early, a few verses earlier, David had been told that parable of the man that stole that sheep. He was so fired up about that. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, you find me that guy. He said, and I'll deal with him. Nathan took perhaps a step back, looked at David, and he said, David, he said, you, you're, you're, you're the man. This past week, uh, when I was cooking Tuesday, and uh, this is some homework for y'all. Track it down. Two sermons that Brother J.H. Osborne preached years ago at uh, one of our men's conferences back at the old campground. He preached a message called Until the Sun Be Hot. Some of you may remember that message. You ought to go back and track that down. Uh, it's out there in the Apostolic Vault, and you can listen to it for free. And then he preached another message called When It's Time to Pay the Dancer. And he got to telling the story again about how that, that John the Baptist stood up there in front of Herod. What, what did he say? He looked at Herod and he said, Herod, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this right now. It is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood before Nebuchadnezzar and they said boldly, we're not going to serve your gods. I'm going to burn you, boys. Doesn't matter. Our God is able to deliver us, but if he doesn't, if he does not, O oh king, you be it known to you that we're still not going to bow down 
to what you have called us out. That's the kind of men and women that we need in this day is it to be able to preach it in that way with courage and with energy and strength and say these are the kind of things. And yet sometimes we have to know that that holy boldness is a gift from God and that our tongues don't, don't need to turn to velvet nor do they need to turn to silver or that we become silver-tongued orators. And so don't be ashamed to be the odd man out. Don't be discouraged if you're in the minority. Don't, don't be discouraged at the mockers that want to say, oh, that's hillbilly redneck stuff. That, that's, that's, that's old school. That, that's throwback church. I'm going to tell you something. Old school throwback church would probably do our society wonders. And so it is that there's somewhere around it that you have to realize that you can't be embarrassed if everybody forsakes their faith and you're right there by yourself. Have courage. Because verse 46 says, I will speak thy testimonies before kings and will not be ashamed. Take strong commitment to preach like that. Let's move on to verse 47. Verse 47 says, And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. My hands also will I lift up into thy commandments, which I have loved, and I will meditate in thy statutes. And uh, I I have marked these in uh, my Bible. In fact, I went through all of Psalm 119 and I I made boxes and put boxes around uh, every one of those words where that it says I will. And just in the segment that we read here tonight, uh, here's what it says in verse 45, I will walk at liberty. Why? Because I seek thy precepts. I will speak of thy testimonies before kings and will not be ashamed. Verse 47, I will delight myself in thy commandments. How do you delight yourself in the commandments? You love them. And then in verse 48, let's change it around just a little bit. He says, my hands also I will lift up unto unto thy commandments. Literally, what he's saying there is he's saying, in my hands I carry. The word of God. It's in my hands. I've got this word. And I have it in my hands. But know this, church, that before you can have it in your hands, you got to have it in your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. And so he gets here to this end. And so we've noticed the prayer, we've noticed the preaching, and now he starts saying, I'm, I'm going to give praise. Imagine that, praise for the Word of God. And yet too often the matter of praise is approached as like, oh, well, if I feel, if I feel like that, oh, if I feel, then I'm going to do it. Trust me, uh, if you're going to exercise, if you're going to run, you're going to do those sorts of things, 
There's going to be a lot of days you're not going to feel like it. So what do you do? You just get up. And once you get into it and you start out and you start rolling, it's amazing how that the mindset changes. And, and I believe the same thing happens whenever we come into the house of the Lord. It's like, you know, I just don't feel like worshiping. Well, what you have to do is you've got to say, I'm just going to get my flesh. Brother Griffin used to say, Griffin, I, I don't, he'd say, I don't want to pray. I don't care, Griffin, you're going to pray today. I don't feel like worshiping today. It doesn't matter, Griffin, you're going to worship the Lord here today, I'm going to tell you that is so liberating to walk in here in this place. And it doesn't matter who's praying. It doesn't matter who's singing. It doesn't matter who's preaching. If there's something about it that you begin to say, I thank God that I'm not on my way to hell, but I'm on my way to heaven. And I thank God for what he did for me there at Calvary where he died for my sin. I'm going to tell you that gets your hands in the air and that gets your mouth open. And you're like, I thank God. I thank God. Let's stand. What does that look like? Well, I'll tell you what it looks like. Looks like John Paul Miller with a mic in his hand singing on a Sunday night about what it's like to be covered because three years ago he wasn't here nor was Brittany here. I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like folks being saved. like people they just start realizing the Lord has done some things in my life have there been bumps and scrapes and bruises and challenges along the way oh yeah 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 there there have there, there's been losses there's been bad decisions there's been moves that we wish we hadn't made but the greater question is this is are you standing in a sanctuary on a Sunday night after Thanksgiving in 2023 and you say, you know what? I'm not where I was 10 years ago. I'm not where I was 20 years ago. I'm not where I was 50 years ago. But I'm in the house of the Lord and there's a praise that needs to come out of my heart for the merciful salvation of the Lord. That's what it's about. Because somewhere along the way, amidst the backslidings, amidst the challenges, the failures, that you very well could have been in a car accident. You very well could have had a head bleed that totally debilitated your health. You could be laid up in a nursing home somewhere. Or even worse, you could have had a car accident that could have ushered you out of this life. But instead, you're in a Sunday night service. And you know what I think we ought to do? Whether it's for five minutes or whether it's for 55 minutes. 
I don't think there ought to be a single one of us walk out of this sanctuary here tonight at least without our hands up and our mouth open and we say thank God for what you've done in my heart and in my spirit in my life thank God thank God for that thank God when I was a kid I didn't have a choice you're going to church thank God when I was a kid I got caught up singing the Hensons and and uh, man I love the Hensons old Kenny boy he could get at it Sister Kayla and uh, man I could help him sing I could help Ronnie sing the lighthouse and I got in high school and I found out about Greg X. Volts and Bob Hartman. I had to sneak around a little bit with Petra. But I could help them guys sing Grave Robber. I'm going to tell you what I could really get, get cranked up on was David and the Giants. Jesus is still king of the Jews. I could sing that. I could come in here and I could listen to Brother Patterson preach. I could walk in this, in this and that over there. It was a small little place. God brought us through and at every point it seems like the Lord just bumped things into my life and you need to meet this person you need to catch up with them you you need to read this book you need to get into this Bible and at every point the sovereignty of God that was bumping me along you you I'm gonna fix you up Philip you and Teresa are gonna get married I'm gonna take care of that I'm going to put you into this place at school and and you're going to do this and you're going to be employed there. I'm not just talking about me, but I'm talking about you as well. That job opportunities, opportunities for relationships, opportunities for prayer meetings, opportunities for you to get involved and yet here you are tonight. I just tell you, church, I can't afford to walk in here and say, I'm going to keep my mouth shut and I'm not going to let my heart get engaged. I've got so much to be thankful for. Oh, I've got so much to praise the Lord for. Not only just salvation, but daily He loads me with benefits. And so if you're here tonight... And you're wondering, like, I don't know how this thing's going to turn out. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all of your ways. And what's He going to do? He's going to direct your paths. He's going to lock doors. He's going to open doors. And when it's all said and done, He'll usher you in. And He'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's what I'm trying to preach to you about here tonight. I want us to lift our hands to the Lord. And I want you just to thank God for what He's done in your heart and in your life right now. Lord, I'm thankful. Oh, Lord.
find.